All right, party people, thank you so much for listening to episode number 28 of the Sports Bar. I am G. Hey Wiley. We're going to start this episode a little off because of what has been happening so far with COVID, with, you know, just everything that's been going on socially. It's been a whirlwind, a ride. It's just been a little crazy. Um, So I'm going to start this episode off with talking about George Floyd with my co-host for the day, uh, Mr. Ryan Castle, a little repeat episode, uh, repeat offender uh, of the sports bar. (laughs) Can we not use the term repeat offender as we're talking on a Sunday Uh, 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 time About about Floyd. Okay, that's fair. Touche. Um... As a white man, I'd rather have not attached <laughs> to my name right now. That's that, that is fair. That is very, very fair. Um, kind of want to just start this episode off really about talking about social injustice. And like you actually are a huge advocate of the social injustice and the what's going on right now. Like and knowing, not necessarily knowing because like as South Park has said, mm. the character token from South Park has said, and I told you this episode like. That was a great it's a episode great episode to explain yeah episode. when stan says i get it i don't i don't get, get it, it. Yeah. yeah yeah that's exactly where i'm at yeah. i love it we all we all gotta get into the stan space right there because that's exactly what it is it's like i understand that i will never understand yeah you know and for those that don't uh, have never ever seen this episode a shame on you because it's an amazing <laughs> episode south park does it right it's a good watch yeah um, basically token the black character, the token black character <laughs> on the show. And I can say this cause I am a black person, yeah, sure. um, says throughout the whole entire episode, Stan, you're never going to get it. And Stan is the character that basically says like, I understand your play, like everything, like I'm going to be that, that social justice warrior that like is going to, yeah. you know, be there on your cause and like on your side or whatever. And it's like, dude, you'll never know yeah. what he, yeah. he is going through. Like, He's still always going to be that, yeah, AKA token, and like again, that's the reason why South Park does it right. Anyway, they are the best at social commentary all the time, and then they go way over the top with it and go way too far. But like that's why then it becomes hilarious. But yeah. I've always admired South Park's ability to actually like nail these social commentaries. So. I'm actually looking forward to whatever they do now. Yeah, in the you, forefront, yeah. It, even as most controversial subjects going on as there might be, you just know they're going to get it. They're gonna and they do it very knock smart. It out of the park. Yeah, they're they gonna do be it like in a really, really intelligent way. Very nice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But anyway, so like, obviously Castle does not know. Is that the first so time? That's is that the first time you said my name this whole, I think, I don't think you've actually. No, I said it. I said it earlier. I said my repeat offender, Ryan Castle. All right. Yeah. Okay. Good. Well, that's thanks it. for thanks for calling me out there, buddy. <laughs> As always, the case with me and G. Hey, constantly fighting. <laughs> never, always hard. That's the reason why I like want you to be a guest yeah, on my podcast yeah. every it single day. Should be a good episode. Everybody, strap in. And everything that's been going on, the writing, the looting. Like, don't want to get into the writing. Don't want to get into the looting. Mm-hmm. Um, want to get actually into what really goes down with you know wh- what everybody is trying to get across the the actual message and a lot of people are going over the top and not getting into the actual message which is really tragic and that's i think what needs to be at the forefront what's amazing is that this has become the george floyd uh story 
when what happened to him is something that's happened to so many people that has been public. Yeah. You have Breonna Taylor, you have yeah. Eric Garner, you have Trayvon Martin. Like, there's been so many other cases that everybody has known of. There's something about this one that hit different, where it really just drove home the point. And I I can't actually explain. May it, it very might well be because the entire thing was uh, recorded and put out there for everybody. So... And it was just such a slow process. It wasn't just like a quick like gunshot or something. It was just such a slow, painful, troubling thing to be able to watch and take in. It is, you know, what, 8 minutes, 46 seconds of just like, how could that actually happen continuously? And I think that might have been what one of the things that made this one a little different. It's just that it was just like such like a grueling process. And, um, but something's different about this one. There's definitely something that has just in the, the fact that in the last few weeks alone, you've seen statues of, uh, you know, civil war monuments from the South get taken down and you've seen laws starting to get changed. Like there's things like companies coming out, like the NFL or ESPN making statements that nobody ever really made before like they they always kind of shied away like oh we're not trying to be controversial and now they are being put in a a box where they're basically like if we're not for the progress we are moving against it you know so so i so i completely agree with you like the everybody every company needs to be progressive and every Mm -hmm. company needs to like put this at their forefront but what is what is too much and i'm not saying that like what certain companies are doing is too much, but like I've definitely seen certain things where like the Me Too movement has happened Mm -hmm. and come, I don't want to say come and gone because like I would hope that it would still be going um, because women just have been treated so unfairly um, regardless of the race. Like women have been just That movement was a long time coming, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um, But with that being said, women have... You know, uh, again, that movement has come and gone. But, like, this might be another Me Too movement where, Mm -hmm. you know, the people that shouldn't have gotten let go from their jobs have gotten let go from their jobs. Um, Again, I'm not saying that, like, certain people should not have been cut. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that, like, again, this is a long time coming. But I just don't want us to take this movement and just, like, run with it where let's just fire people willy-nilly. I want you to, like, right. actually take a step back and be like, you know what, like, are they really racist? Are they actually, right. like, you know, trying to deter people? There's and- a bit of an overcorrective nature that comes with these yes. kind of movements. And, like, I think uh, a good example of that is uh, I saw this story that was making the rounds of that woman that uh, had somebody take a picture of her making it look like she was, like, putting up boards to help small businesses amongst the riots, you know, and then apparently she got, like, fired. And when I saw that, I was like, you know what? Put her on blast. Go ahead. The jury of public opinion is a powerful drug, you know? So when somebody has to deal with that already, that's a hard thing to come back from. So I think getting put on blast, that that was something that she did to, like, be like, let me make it look like I'm helping and everything. That was fine. Like, to okay, put her on blast for that. I don't think she needs to lose her job over right. it, especially now that she has this 
pariah record about it where now companies are going to look at it and be like, oh, you're that person? Oh, I don't, I kind of think we should stay away from you, you know? So, yeah, I, I agree. Like, we need to not lose focus of what the actual issue is and what, you know, we're moving towards. So we're moving towards a great thing and there's going to be a lot of distractions along the way that kind of want to like trying to veer off course as always becomes the issue. So it's a very basic concept as to what we need to improve. I mean, there's a lot more than just police uh, brutality at stake, but that's where it begins. There needs to be something done about the police brutality that has been taking place as long as America has existed. And um, I think it's being heard now more so than ever. And that is a great place to start. And I actually definitely feel the ball rolling on that. And uh, that's the target that we need to keep our eye on. Right there. And speaking of the ball rolling... Oh. And keep and Castle's always great at transitioning. <laughs> Hit me with a good segue. <laughs> Castle's always always really good when it comes yeah. to transitioning into the next uh, segment or the next piece. We are going to transition over to actual sports, and this is Let's when we're going to actually hit you with our intro song. So, Castle, do me some justice and hit me with the intro song. Alright, party people from the sports bar, Jihei and Castle here. Don't call it a comeback. When are freaking sports going to come back? And that oh. is the topic that we're going to bring up. All I told right. you I was going to... I know, you like had the question mark on your, in, like, in your face. I was trying to figure out yeah. why uh, Mama Said Knock You Out was going to be the intro. You were very <laughs> confident about it, but yeah. Yeah. It is it is one of the best lines that there is referring to a comeback. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank God, Jul- I cannot wait for the end of July because that's oh when sports God. is really going to come back. Like I've been watching UFC, I've been mm. watching you know golf, but at the end of the day, I've been watching marble racing, <laughs> uh, whatever <laughs> they want to throw us. I mean, like we've been we've been adamant about watching our thirty for thirties. Yeah, like but. I what mean, a great season to have a thirty for thirty come out. Yeah, dude. I mean, Think especially with it. especially with Jordan, the whole nah, entire man Jordan couldn't have come out at a better time. Than, yeah, literally dominated the entire landscape. Well, they had to, they actually month. pushed they pushed that forward. Yeah, well because done. Of, yeah, because yo. they saw the opportunity. They were like, just fucking push it. Great programming. And, and uh, apparently, it wasn't like fully done when they first started putting out the first episodes, and they were like, just do it, figure it out. You guys got to work overtime. You got to work overtime. And like, you know, it was worth it because America literally stopped what they were doing and be like, we got to talk about the 98 Bulls real quick. Everybody. We all got to talk about the. (laughs) Somebody just took over the podcast. Somebody just took over the podcast by talking about the 98 Bulls. Yeah, Yeah. that was amazing. I feel like they could have gone a little bit more nitty gritty, but because Jordan. What do you mean nitty gritty? Oh, dude, there's so much more grimy shit that freaking Jordan and that whole entire crew did. Well, the thing is, Jordan had like final say. Exactly. Yeah, he had final cut. Yeah. There was not going to be anything that was like too grimy on Jordan, but you know. I think he came out of it looking good. You know, he. I agree, but that's our generation that thinks he came out looking good. I think the younger generation didn't think the same thing. I don't know. I don't got a pulse on them. 
They're not my peoples, but... Uh, but I, I mean, here's the other thing, too, is that, like, after that, like, I'm... I actually was a huge Jordan fan growing up, but you know where my heart really lies, and so I can totally take solace in being a Jordan hater now. So wait, you were a Jordan fan, and now you're a hater after the documentary? Not an entire, not an entire hater, but I can definitely see why people don't like him. Okay. And yourself? I was actually brought up to kind of be a little bit of a Jordan hater. Like when I grew up, uh, you know, my dad, I, I kind of just followed what my dad's lead was when I was a kid. And uh, he was like, you know, we're Laker fans. And so then that's like, you know, that his first championship is against the Lakers. So like my dad was like teaching me to kind of root against Jordan and the Bulls. But it was hard because like that he was everywhere like every every commercial and every jersey and shirt Everybody out there like and like, they wanted me to like like mike and like at a certain point like i kind of did I, you know what it was it was space jam really kind of made me be like great movie i mean how could you hate this guy like i love jordan after space jam but i actually remember the first time i fully actually rooted for the bulls was uh against their last championship against the jazz because I was so sick of those Jazz beating the Lakers every year. And that last one was, I don't even remember exactly the specifics of the series, but I remember I was specifically salty and just being like, fuck these guys, man. They're not even that good. It felt like, it It took me back to like all my either days in Little League or, uh, you know, um, playing basketball as a kid or whatever sports I was playing. Like there's always a team that I would look at that I'd be like, on paper, I'm better. I don't understand why I can't beat this team, but I can't beat this team. Even in a video game or something, there's always been this kind of thing where you're like, we've at some point been like, I can't understand why I can't get past this level, but I can't, and it just, it looks easy. The Jazz look like an easy team to beat. They did the same shit every fucking play. It was Stockton and Malone. Everybody knew what was coming. Screen. Give and go. Like, whatever. And the Lakers could not beat that team. And it but was you can also you can also argue that point with any other... You can argue that point with the Spurs. You can argue that mm-hmm. point with, with my Dukies. Like, back in the day, like, we were just so fundamentally sound. True. And that's the reason why... Fundamentals win. But, yeah. like, they were the most basic fundamental team I've ever seen. And uh, I think it was their undoing. I think it's why they didn't win a championship. Because, I, like... I agree. There was... Uh, and it was exposed in that documentary. Because, like, uh, what was that? The last game they had against Bulls, like Scottie Pippen could barely move, and he was just there basically as a decoy because he had a back injury. Yeah, and but they the, didn't win because of Scottie Pippen. They no, won no, no. because of they won because of Jordan. No, no, no. I'm saying like the fact that their second best player was immobile. They never attacked him. They just continue to be like, no, nope, we're gonna just play our game. It's Stockton Malone, and you know a little bit of like a. Follow so you're saying that was like, their do- that was their downfall was like sticking to the Jerry line. Sloan was such like a stay the course type of coach that like if they had actually like been more open to adjustment and be like hey look it's game six and their second best player can barely move attack him throw the ball down low at him every single time but and in, let's just work at it but in their defense force him to take him out yes you know? but but. In their defense, this is when 
they did not talk about injuries. They like their locker room was super super tight, so they didn't sit there and say like, "Oh, Pippen's injured and he has X X Y Z injury." No, and I so really knew. Would, yeah, but I, I, do, no, Sloan actually he was actually in a, a press conference in that documentary, and he said, "Wait, he was injured." Oh wait, he was this. He's making yeah. a joke because there's a clip. There's a clip at the beginning of the game when uh, they're actually. It's actually an, oh another one of the amazing. This is why that documentary was awesome. An amazing shot captured by whatever camera. I don't know where these cameras all came from at the time. Well, they're at every single different angle. But, but like they're literally uh, in the training room before the game, and there's somebody on the TV going. Scotty Pippen has a back injury they're dealing with, and he's not sure if he's gonna go. And then uh, they don't know that though. Like the the people on the bench don't know that. Like they're no, not, no, no. They're, not they're saying that. this while they're in the training room, and coach oh, goes over and just turns it off so that the team doesn't have to listen to it. But they de- it was definitely known. It should have been known. Any good. Trust me, Belichick would have figured that shit out. He would have slotted. He would Sloan have is not a Belichick, it. though. Exactly. That's why he doesn't have any rings. <laughs> oh, my God. Castle, it's good to have you back. Um, speaking of speaking of back, again, we're going to keep going with this train of like being back. Um, let's spend like two seconds on the NHL because okay. I, I talked to you about this like before we were recording and yeah. I like told you my whole entire discord with hockey and speak the, it speak it dude Tell i us. like ugh, i'm so so mad i i just don't want to i just don't want to get super angry on on air so. okay well look give us 30 seconds of fury of okay. just why you're upset okay, with nhl fine i will give you i'm gonna give you more than 30 seconds i am mad at the nhl because the nhl had a plan in place to come back and they were going to come back earlier than the NBA. They were going to come back earlier earlier in Major League Baseball. And that's what we're going to talk about um, in the end of this uh, episode. But the NHL was going to... They already had a plan in place. They were like, we're going to come back. We're going to have like this playoff system. We're going to have like X amount of teams. We just don't know where they're going to actually you know, come into place. We don't know like the uh, four cities that are going to open up. It could be... You know, Vegas, it could be LA, it could be, you know, Dallas, it could be Tennessee, it could be like a, like a bunch of southern states. And they just did not make a move. And they could have had all the money rights, all of like the, you know, franchise money. Like, uh, like they're good. They could have just gone freaking ham. And that's, I think, what makes me so mad because NHL not going first, they just lost out on a shit ton of money. And I think that's the other reason why I'm like super, super mad at them because they could have capitalized on what could have happened um, in sports. Like they could have been the first during COVID and like during this and they already had like everything in place. So I feel like it's still, it seems like they still might be the first ones to come back though, right? They are going to come back earlier than the NBA, but the NBA, but they're only coming back like a few days earlier than the NBA. Yeah, not as early as you thought. I mean, to be honest, at this point, I'm just cool with whatever sport Mm -hmm. wants to come back. Like, I'm ready for any, like, whatever, like, changes and restrictions y'all want to put on it. No fans. 
in a bubble. It's nothing but a mascot running around in the background. Like I don't. Or you could be like the Korean baseball league and like have yeah. like a bunch of like little dolls in the in the stands. I've been cutting highlights for uh, Bundesliga, and they've got that exact same thing. Like they got fans' faces on top of like uh, teddy bears and stuff, like stuff like that. Like I'm cool with all of it. Like just as long as we get like athletic competition going, that moving towards a championship. I am here for it in whatever form we can get it. Well, and I think that's what, like, the American public really wants. They, like, they're like, screw everything else. Like, we just need sports back. Because any time that we have had controversy or any time that, like, like 9-11 happens. And, right. like, that's obviously a sore spot for, like, both of our generations. Like, 9-11 happens and we still have the Yankees playing the Red Sox. Mm-hmm. We still have, you know, sports is still available. And this is, like, the one time, one and only time that sports has not been available. And it's been very detrimental, obviously, to our economy, like, and to right. just our morale in general. You know, like, you, we, we as Americans, like, we have to have sports. Like, that has boosted everybody up. So. so when this all first started happening and they first canceled, like, March Madness and the NBA season was suspended and all that... The You're first, hitting a sore spot, buddy. I, dude, I was You're, supposed to go to Vegas for the first time for March Madness. I actually had it booked. I would never experience it before. I was supposed to be out there. And then I literally, like, selfishly, when I first started hearing everything getting canceled, I was like, as long as you don't cancel March Madness, I'll be okay. And then when that happened, I was like, okay, well, there goes... My exciting weekend of the year. So, like, yeah, selfishly, I was, like, disappointed because I well, was that's ready to have a great... An amazing time. So, <laughs> yeah. by, the, by the way, I've actually gone to Vegas for March Madness. and that's my good time, right? That's my annual trip. Yeah. I that's always, what I always hear. Yeah. that. So, I've gone to March Madness the last, like, three years mm-hmm. um, when I lived in Maryland. And I, um, I literally, like, got on a plane to go to March Madness for that specific weekend. Yeah. And it, you have to go for the first two rounds. That's and what I was going for, yeah. Awesome. Oh I my was god, it's amazing. Finally gonna experience that. And I do was you actually super... bet on sports? Yeah, well yeah, of course, when I'm in Vegas. Oh yeah. dude, it's freaking incredible. And I was ready for it. Like, I mean, of course I already fill out my brackets, but I was like ready to go down there and put all the bets on all the different games and all that. Oh I dude, was... I already had my futures bet on Michigan State. Yeah. Put yeah, in I some thought... good futures yeah, bets and everything. Uh, yeah, exactly. I'm sad for it. So when I first, you know, heard this happening. My first thought was like, what can I relate this? I think this is just a common uh, place for people's brain to go to. It's like, what can I relate this to that I've seen before? Mm -hmm. And the only thing that was even close to what I've seen before was when 9-11 happened. And we were actually canceling games and weeks of uh, sports activities were put on hold. Was this when you worked for... No, I was actually in high school at that time. So, like, I was just, you know, we all just had to, like, sit with that. Like, we all got to kind of realize what just happened, and we're, we're going to put sports on hold for right now. That's the only time I remember that happening. Did you the, uh, do you remember when uh, the Yankees came back and, like... Yeah, so that, here's that, the That thing. was very monumental. Yeah, and that made it even better. Yeah. And, and the difference was that was... Okay, we will put sports on hold for a minute, but we're ready to come back whenever we can. We've grieved properly. Now let's get back after it. And this is different because like there's not an end game answer. Right. There's not like a 
okay, well, we just have to wait until this time, and then we're going to get back after it. Like, we still don't know the answer to that. You yeah. Know? We still don't exactly know when the NHL or NBA season will even be kick off without fans, you know? We don't know what the fuck the football season is going to look like. We don't even know if college football is going to be a thing. And that's just this season. There is a possibility that, like, the entire next year after that is also going to be shifted. Um, but I honestly, if I got to say from, like, what I'm seeing, I don't think that they're going to let that happen. I think that uh, the general public is going to just want to take the chance on being like, you know, let's just get back to action. We are, we're ready to take the risk. There's going to be ways that like they kind of let fans trickle back in and it'll be accepted and it'll become like a slow, like moving back towards the reality that we're used to, but it's going to take a while. It's going to take at least another year or two, I think, until like we're really back to what sports were. And um, it's monumental. We're all going to remember this. It's going to be yeah. a, something that's just a mark in sports history forever. Well, and like speaking of sports history, you just told, again, the transition master Boom. right here. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Let's get into the NFL. And the fact that like that's going to be a huge transitional mark. Of, I personally think that Goodell is like a zero tolerance, like we're freaking making money kind mm-hmm. of, you know, mentality. And I think the NFL is going to make their transition like smoothly. Yeah. Um, he's already scheduled, you know, preseason. He's scheduled, he hasn't scheduled postseason yet, really. Um, but he has scheduled like actual season. So let's go into that and like the parameters of like how that's going to, what, how that's going to happen. What do you think is going to actually happen? Like, what do you think they're going to actually ask and like of players of, are there, are there going to be fans or they're not going to be fans? Are they going to like do a 10%, you know, um, of fans being there? Are there going to be 20%, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, my understanding is, uh, they, I've heard that they are planning on going forth without fans for the whole season, but, I do think it's completely reasonable to have at least like I don't know you could you could put a thousand people in a stadium that are very clearly socially distant and like we've seen plenty of examples that there's not like massive social distancing happening in the world even now let alone that's like what in September so like I think the idea of like uh having like some VIP seating is definitely a doable thing. I've been cutting highlights for Bundesliga soccer for the last few weeks uh, for my work with Fox Sports, and they pumped the sounds of the crowds chanting in there, which I have always thought is a huge part of soccer. Like, I just, I love the sound of it. Like, I always like having the sound of soccer in the background because of that alone. And when you just can kind of make that sound there and you're not even really looking at the fans, like, it, I'm sure it's different for the players on the field, but for me watching at home, uh, it's it still sounds... I, I know there's ways that they could put make the sounds of the game, you know, adjacent to what we're actually seeing. So um, I think that there's ways that they can actually work around this. They're talking about, like, miking up people and mm-hmm. players and 
um, I forget the um, NFL player, but they uh, he talked about having them all mic'd up, which yeah. if you, which they've done before in the past, but right. not in a silent stadium. See, so this is where we actually have an opportunity to use something that is unique and and make a make it make it better. We always wondered exactly how aggressive this. I actually think this especially applies to the NBA. I've been down there like courtside watching. I remember watching Kobe when uh, the Lakers were. R.I.P. Yeah, <laughs> they were particularly shit in like I want to say 2007. And I just remember I was down there real close, and I could see how much he was just yelling at everybody else on the court, just like. He was basically just like, just. He was trying to fire don't up the truth. Suck! Yeah. Can you just fucking play good? I remember him yelling at like Chris Mim and just looking at him, and <laughs> and Mim was just like, "I'm trying," and he's just like, "To just get out of the way, I'm gonna fucking think an NBA playoff level game with uh just no real sounds outside drowning it out, with the refs talking to each other and the players talking shit. You know, have you ever watched Kevin Garnett play? Nobody cussed fucking more than that guy. Like he, Reggie Miller. Reggie, no, nobody. Reggie Miller nobody cussed, cussed a lot. Not more than Kevin Garnett. But the point is, like, that talk has always been happening, but it's just right. been drowned out by the announcers and the the audience. Right. I actually think that what we're about, what we're about to see from the NBA when they finally do return is gonna be like. A new level of interest that's just like, whoa, it's going to be a new show. It's going to be like a new series. It's going to be like a series reboot where you're like, they give it a new twist. And you're going to be like, oh, I don't know how this is going to work, but I trust all the players involved. So, like, let's see what they got, you know. And, like, so I'm excited to see it. And I think it's going to be the ultimate testing ground that's then going to – I think that's what's going to carry over to the NFL if the NFL sees, they're going to base what works for the NBA and then they're going to apply it to their league. So we're going to find out. We're Either way, we're going to see some new shit that we've never seen. So I'm excited for it. Okay. So speaking of new shit, we are going to yeah. go, again, Transition Master. Always transition, transition Master, bro. Um, so we are going to transition over into the main topic. The reason why I brought you onto this podcast. No. Um, other than being the ultimate guru. Um, Major League Baseball, in my opinion, is shitting the bet right now. This is past the point of the the strike. This is past the point of selfishness. Like, in my personal opinion. It's feeling strike territory. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. So, Major League Baseball um, is on that precipice of we're gonna we're gonna try and come back we're trying to like go to negotiations right now where um you know the players union is saying one thing the Mm -hmm. uh, the owners are saying another thing and they're like consistently renegotiating they went from 50 games to 60 games to going back to 50 games um what is your stance as far as the prorated amount that they're going to get paid because they talked about getting like 75% of their pay. What is your, you know, I mean, you're a huge fan of major league baseball. Like we Mm -hmm. just watched the, you know, uh, 
Maguire Sosa. The Maguire Sosa at 30 for 30. Long Gun Summer. Are we going to get into that at all? Yeah, we will. All right, beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little tease for y'all. We got got that coming in case you watched it. Um, But I just just personally want to talk about, like, them just coming back. And, like, what do you think that, you know, is going to come to the precipice for that? Yeah, um, the players and the owners in baseball are farther apart than the arms of that Brazilian statue of Jesus where he's like got his arms spread out like this like they they just don't trust each other there's no way that they actually are ever on the same page and it goes back to like the strike of the mid 90s like they've never trusted each other baseball always manages to have a commissioner that just does not seem to get it Going back to Bud Selig, who was... He's not a player's commissioner. Who's the most moronic person put in in charge of something big. Like, like there's never been a more insultingly unintelligent person in charge of something important until the 2016 election. Way to bring it back to Trump, buddy. No no, no politics on this this podcast. No, it's, it's not... Not a political statement. <laughs> it's just a truthful interaction. But like, it's just that these guys uh, they don't trust each other. It, it feels like they're constantly like throwing deals back and forth at each other, and each one is egregiously embarrassing. Like they come back and they're like, "All right, we see your offer," and we come back with this, and both of them come back with something that's just like obviously not trying to work towards the middle. It's just like. You're just trying to make a statement to be like, well, we were embarrassed by your last offer, so we're going to combat you and lowball you with this one. Like, So a pessimistic Ryan is out about uh, looking at the MLB season. I think that alone, because on that should be the easy part. The, the contract part should be the easy part, and then figuring out how they're going to actually do a season in quarantine should be the hard part. But nobody's even started trying to figure that out yet because they can't even figure out like what the contract's going to be. So, um I just I feel like we are in for a uh 2020 MLB uh strike. I as much as everybody likes to talk about how yeah, we're definitely going to get baseball. I'm just I'm kind of not seeing how it happens, but I want it to. I'm dying to see baseball this year. Here's the thing. As much bullshit as we've been through in 2020, I am still holding out for this possibility that we hit September and October and we got baseball and we got hockey playoffs and we got NBA playoffs. Oh, dude, if you can get the trifecta, that'd be amazing. And here comes the NFL and we got NFL games and maybe even college football finds a way to make its presence felt. And we could have the best, like, two months of sports that has ever been felt. And uh, I think that, like, that alone could be the turnaround that 2020, with all the bullshit that has happened, could feed us to, like, you know, you ever have, like, something where everything that's gone wrong right now is going wrong. But for some reason, I just have faith that like this is still gonna come through and be something legendary 
and then it becomes something legendary and then you always remember it because it was that epic turnaround that you're like nobody thought it could happen but here we are i feel like that could be 2020 i actually think that sports are the spear that could lead that if we could actually get all sports going by september i think that will just be the guiding force that just be it makes us all be like hey Guys, guess what? We could salvage this year. You know, like, let's make it happen. And there's nothing better than unity of, like, the entire general public. And uh, I think that's something that we've seen recently. And uh, I think that's something that's going to carry on throughout the rest of the year. So I'm a glass half full guy. So I'm going to believe that this year is going to be good until it's absolutely beaten down in my head. Like It's going to be legendary. It's going to be legendary. It's going to be legend. Wait for it. And I hope you're not lactose intolerant because the second half of that word is dairy. No. Legendary. Legendary. Ted Legendary. Barney. Because after 2 a.m. is when things get, audience, say it with me, legendary. No. No, come yes. on. Yes. Dude, we haven't hit legendary yet. We're only at the left. Just Google search Barney Stinson to just... Add to my point. Thank yeah. you so much for doing that. That took me back to my old radio station days in college. So yeah. Um, yeah. No, you you actually like when once you started saying like the legendary thing, I was like, dude, I have to bring this up. You got it. Yeah. You pulled yeah. it in there. Yeah. Nicely done. Yeah. 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 You didn't even yeah. have to add it in post. That's no, great. No. Um, <laughs> so speaking of legendary. I told you, you're the transition king, dude. No, you, you keep, are the transition. You keep you, giving me uh, credit, credit for, for this. It, but I swear you. to God, it's you, all you. No, you are. Like, you're the one that keeps sitting there and talk and talking about it. Um, let's talk about the legendary thirty for thirty that we just talked about. Yes, that we just like let's watched. Get into it, dude. It's so it was. It was actually really good. This is a thirty for thirty that I actually really, really enjoyed. Yeah, it was right in my wheelhouse. Yeah, the long gone summer. Yeah. The story of uh, Sammy Sosa and uh, Mark McGuire's ascent to greatness in breaking Roger Maris's home run record in 1998. Yeah. So talk talk about your thoughts on what the documentary meant to you, what the documentary just meant in general. Like it was just so, such a historical yeah, peak of baseball. So that was at a time when I was just like a young teen who was just watching sports, and that was just. That was all that really mattered to me. Uh, as I told you, I at that point, I could name you the starting lineup of any baseball team, and yeah. I could name the starting lineup of any NBA team because there just wasn't other things for my brain to worry about at that point. Other well, than also, just like, it was, what? also, it was the summertime. Yeah. And you were 10, yeah. and you could, like, I mean, you had oh, nothing else. In 98, else I was older than 10. I was, like, 13, but... Okay. But regardless, like, you were... You, you still had, like, nothing going on. Like, you were yeah. just like, okay, like, I don't have sports going on. I have school. Like, right. I'm just going to sit there and watch baseball. I was watching baseball all the time, especially, yeah, the summer days. And yeah. then WGN always had the Cubs games on, so I was always watching Sammy Sosa. And I, I remember my teacher talking about, like, you guys going to watch this game tonight when uh, McGuire... They Breaks the record. Up, they, like, McGuire, talk about a guy who just, like, hit home runs when you needed him to they gave him a two-game series with the cubs on a weekend in september 
and he hit 61 on Sunday. I think it was a Sunday. And then the next Monday, they randomly made it a game on Fox broadcast for the whole country just so he could hit it. And he hit it in his second at bat. Like, he was on it. Like, he brought baseball back as much as anybody. So, Well, I was going to say, because the... Um, what happened during that time, baseball was, yeah. I don't want to say it was dead, but it was relatively dead. Like, it was like, it was not on the come up. Well, the the strike in 94 definitely killed baseball. So, like, I look at that as a different situation because, like, I was a kid up until that point. So, but I wasn't... You can, you can understand the older generation. Oh, like, no, I totally yeah. get how a strike does that. And I was I was never really watching baseball actually closely until 95 because the 95 Indians are the ones who really made me love baseball in the first place. So I was actually, like, on the turn-up. I was huge into baseball at that point. But I understand why that... Like, because that was a thing where, like, if you were at all moderately into baseball, like, you had to be watching what was going on. Like, everybody knew about Sosa and McGuire and Griffey and, like, their chase towards the record. Because it was literally going into the season, everybody knew, like, the record's probably going to break this year because it was ramping up that way. And um, and they did not disappoint. Talk about not disappointing. You not only got McGuire going for it, but you got Sosa, and they who came out of nowhere. They and yeah, and they and they were uh, in the same division, and they every time a big moment happened, they'd be playing in the same game against each other. Like you really can't script that. If they had put that in a movie, you would have been like. I mean, they wouldn't have actually been in the same game. There's no way McGuire would have hugged Sosa right after he hit the home run. That shit wouldn't happen in a game, but it actually, that's how it went down. And, like, yeah. I like that's the kind of history that, as a sports fan, you watch for. You're like, that's why, right there. For that moment, I watched all season, and I was invested because I thought the payoff was gonna look that great, and it did. And like, well, and that's when like fact is better than fiction, right? Like when yeah. like people like there are writers that like they sit there and they write that shit, and it's like no, uh, like this actually happened. Mm-hmm. This like this moment in history, this moment in time actually happened, and it was so beautiful. It was yeah. just an amazing moment. If you had written that, it would have been cheesy. It yeah, been like oh, what so they hugged right after he hit a home run. Like shut up, that doesn't happen in baseball. The they pitcher, do that press the pitcher would have been pissed off if he did that. He was, but it's yeah. just like, you know, hey, guess what, Steve Traxel? History doesn't care about your feelings, okay? These guys are who matters. You know? Well, sports doesn't care about your feelings. Yeah, it's all right. So. Yeah. Fair, fair. Um, and speaking of feelings, <laughs> so transition master. You are so good at this. Transition master. Well, like, I want to hear what the feelings involved, yeah. <laughs> Last but not least, we're going to talk about Drew Brees okay. and the drama because you did want to talk about this. Yeah. Yeah. So um, for those that, that have been living under a rock, mm-hmm. <laughs> Drew Brees obviously has like this huge controversy that I've wanted to talk about, but I didn't know if you wanted to talk about. And then you told me earlier that you wanted to talk about yeah. this. Um, Brees commented on the American flag and Black Lives Matter, and he said that like, you know what, um, I think he was misquoted in Yahoo Finance because, or at least, like, they didn't get what he was trying to talk about because, like, his family's from military, my family's from the military. 
I see the flag just like Drew Brees sees the flag. Like, I want, you know, as an African-American or a Blasian woman, like, Black and Asian woman, like, I see the flag as, like, you know, that's what my family really, truly fought for. Um, I see the flag as, like, you know what, like, there's more of, like, a, a value on the flag. And I think that that's what he was trying to put at the forefront. Um, I don't think that he was trying to be racist whatsoever. I don't think that he was trying to put race at the forefront of his argument or anything like that. Um, I know that my opinion is, like, going to be completely different. Like, the whole Terrace South Park argument that we had earlier um, mm. in the pod um, is going to be completely different. So, again, I don't know what your take is on Drew Brees, but, like, let's talk about yeah. it. Do it. Yeah, um, I think that... Uh... Anybody trying to label Drew as some kind of racist is completely missing the point. That's yeah. way their way off base. That's obviously not what um, he was trying saying to, in, yeah. in, in when he was speaking of uh, like where he stands. I do question why he felt the need to, uh, at this point, uh, come out with the statement that he did. Because uh, I think more than anything... It was ill-timed. Yes. But at the same time, it was kind of necessary because he became the uh, sacrificial lamb, uh, with, for lack of a better term. You know, everybody can't, just jumped on him for making a statement about it when there was probably still a bunch of people who were actually feeling, still trying to think the same way. But... The way I saw it, the progress that we've made since when Colin Kaepernick first made his first stance by kneeling during the anthem uh, in protest of police brutality of African Americans to where at that point, everybody, so many people wanted to make it about you're disrespecting the flag, you're disrespecting the military, you're disrespecting the anthem, all this and that. And uh, there was those who were right up there with him being like, you guys are missing the point. But it was being blocked out by the millions of people that wanted to make it about something different than that. And the fact that then the same thing just happened and... The general swarm after Drew Brees' comment came out was, are you kidding me, Drew? Like, you're still missing the point. point. It's not about the military. It's not about the anthem. It's about this country is still letting this stuff happen that Colin protested four years ago. And it has been happening for years. And um, the backlash that Drew got let me realize, like, the country's starting to actually listen to the general movement that needed to be made. The movement was, there. this has been an issue that black people have been dealing with since the foundation of this country. And they continue to deal with it. And we could try to pretend like it's just politics, and it's just media spin, and it's just... Uh, somebody trying to make a statement about themselves at a football game. But that's not what it is. Racism is real. It's very real. And that's the problem with racism is I, I feel like it's 
it's so ongoing and it's so yeah. something that's like going to consistently be there. And like, I am a huge believer that like hate begets hate. And so like, it's not something that is just automatically in you. It's very rare when it's automatically in you. Mm-hmm. It's definitely something that's taught. Yeah. And I like, I will be the first to say this, like, and I actually wanted to say this on, on this podcast. Um, for everybody that is of African-American descent, and it, I'm probably going to shock you, but um, for everybody that's of African-American descent, black people are the, actually the most racist. They're very, very racist. Like, my grandmother actually told me I ain't got no half, half her babies. Like, to my face when I was, like, a kid. And that really shocked me to my core because I didn't think that, you know, black people could be racist. But they are the most racist. Um, they, and I think it comes from a place of hurt, and I completely understand that. But I would rather that place of hurt come from a place of, like, let's change it then. You know, and I think that this movement is coming from that place of let's change it. Let's start a conversation and let's finally change the conversation, um, which is such a positive thing. And I'm so grateful for that positive thing. But the older generation needs to get on board. And it's really, really hard for the older generation to get on board. Yeah. That's a huge part of what makes this difficult. Is like there's these people that are still living among us that lived at a time when we were literally told black people sit over here and white people sit over here and like that was their upbringing and um and i think that's where we actually need to end the sports bar because that is probably the most poignant thing is that Mm -hmm. we just need to get rid of that older you know kind of mentality you know so we're ending the sports bar on a high positive note of everybody just freaking get on board be that positive voice that you need to be. So I would just say understand that that has been an issue in life. And don't try to put media spin on it. Like racism has been a crux of this country since its founding. And we're not close to solving it. But oh, we're like, nowhere near I solving it. I <laughs> think that we are moving in a great direction. I And the movement I've seen the past couple weeks is the greatest movement I've seen since I can remember. It's a it's a better direction. That's we're for we're actually actually starting to move towards general realization that this is real. This is something that like you can't deny. You can't just try to pretend like this is just something that the media is trying to tell you. Like no, this is something that like people in our country feel and they hurt every day as a result. So um I think uh we're actually moving in a better direction but we're not solving okay yeah. so but we need we need to we need to eventually get to that solving point we need yeah. to have, and the conversation is something that needs to happen and that's the great thing too yeah is yeah getting but, getting to that conversational point so right now we're in this uncom- uh, uncomfortable conversation stage yeah and it's and it's tough and it's tough for everybody but I'm but, glad we're uh, having this conversation. Yeah, like, we're, we're literally, we yeah. it's literally like Castle's a man of Irish descent. I am a woman of Blasian descent and we're having this conversation mm-hmm. and it's not like an entirely like, mm-hmm. you know, uncomfortable conversation. We're actually having it and it's beautiful. Once again, I'd love to thank all the sports bar party people for listening to 
the Sports Bar podcast with Mr. Callie Castle. Uh, if so inclined, he has an amazing, he actually has two amazing podcasts out there, one of which is called Three Things We Gotta Talk About, where they talk about three things that you just gotta talk about. Uh, you can listen to anything anywhere that you listen to a podcast, that's where you can find it, Apple, Google, etc. Um, Spotify. Uh, also, he has an, another amazing podcast uh, called The Dissect Wiki Wiki DJs, uh, where they dissect songs uh, of pretty much all eras, which is pretty incredible as well. Very insightful. Uh, if you want to follow him on his social media, you can follow Castle at Cali Castle, uh, or you can follow Dissect DJs at Dissect DJs on Instagram. I do not know if they have a Twitter. We'll just find that out another time. And if you want to continue to follow, listen, etc., to the sports bar, we're also on everywhere that you find your podcast that is on Anchor because they let me do this for free, Google, Apple, and uh, Spotify as well. And it is that sports bar, T H A sports bar. If you want to follow us on Twitter, we are at Sports Bar Gals because Twitter sucks, like I say in every single end of the podcast, because they would not give us at that sports bar. Uh, so again, the Twitter handle is at Sports Bar Gals. If you want to follow us on Instagram, it is at that sports bar, T H A sports bar. And if you want to follow us on Facebook, I do have a Facebook page as well. Uh, just that sports bar, T again, T H A sports bar. And thank you so much, party people, for listening to this amazing episode with Mr. Callie Castle. Uh, can't wait for the next episode. I have another repeat guest, Mr. Arash Marakazi, on, uh, and that one's a doozy too. Uh, if you enjoyed this one and you are listening to us via Apple Podcasts, please leave a review. I forgot to mention that. Uh, we don't have any sponsors, so... Don't have to worry about any of those commercials. This is the only commercial you're going to possibly ever get. Again, thank you so much for listening to The Sports Bar with Mr. Callie Castle. We're going to exit this episode out as we normally do with an exit song. Um, Still Frame by Louisine. And I think I'm butchering it. So sorry, Louisine or Louisine, I believe. L-U-S-I-N-E is the name of the artist. And it's pretty fucking awesome. Thank you so much again, party people, for listening to the Sports Bar. I am Jihei Wiley, and I'm out. Deuces.